Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast, Episode 2. In this podcast, we will cover female physiology with Ashling from AOK Nutrition. Ashling is a nutritional therapist and neuropath who specializes in female physiology and the ovarian hormones. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast, Episode 2. Joined with Ash, we are going to be covering female physiology. How are you, Ash? I am good. Thank you so much for asking me to talk about my favorite topic today. <laughs> it's no problem. How are you finding um, business at the moment during this crazy time? Uh, to be honest, I'm insanely grateful. Like yeah. we're really, really, really busy. It's probably like yourself as well. More so because when people are at home not doing anything, so they have loads of time. So like I think I'm booked up now for about three weeks and I have people on a cancellation list. But I haven't got any cancellations since March because no one's anything else to do. <laughs> kind of way. Like literally they've no other plans. I think like that because people have more free time, they're kind of putting time into themselves. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm very busy, but I'm also trying to be really, really positive and really grateful for being so busy because obviously, I mean, it's better to be stressed by being busy than stressed by being out of work. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do, do you want to just yeah. tell the guys a little bit about yourself and what you do and the business that you run? Yeah, so basically my background is kind of unusual because I was actually brought up at natural medicine. So I'm a nutritional therapist and I'm a naturopath. So what naturopath kind of means is we look at the whole body and the kind of goal is to get to the root of the problem using loads and loads of different kind of healing tools. So in my clinic, we've anything from herbal medicine, we use nutrition, we use supplements, we talk about stress management, we do reflexology. Um, so it's it's very much holistic kind of all over approach and it's very much individual based. So for me, basically growing up, my mum is also a naturopath and she's a herbalist. So I was brought up in natural medicine the whole time, taking herbs, taking supplements growing up. And then I obviously trained myself and myself and my mum now own the clinic together in Port Marnock. Um, in relation to hormones, you kind of just fall into it. Like my, my best use of advice for anyone who's really interested in nutrition and wants to practice as a nutritional therapist or in this kind of in, in this field of work is find the area that you love and you can't because then you'd be really, really good at one area. Like you can't really be good at everything. So I remember at the start, and so funny to be talking to you now about it, but like I I didn't really like sports nutrition. Do you know the kind of way? And I was getting yeah. people like I was getting like marathon runners coming into me and I was kind of dreading it. I was like, I don't care about this. I've no interest in like learning about it. But then if I had to come with PCOS in my door, I'd be so excited to get them yeah. to down and kind of like go through everything with them. So find an area that you're really good at. And I just really kind of love hormones. And that's kind of how I fell into kind of, that's what I most would work at now is clients with things more like PCOS and period issues and fertility problems and um, that kind of thing. Like, heavy periods and all the stuff that goes along with this okay all the fun stuff and <laughs> I suppose that would lead us on to why I wanted to bring you on today I'll just kind of give a, a bit of a background into myself and Ash Ash came into a gym that I was PTing from a couple of months ago and gave a talk on, on female physiology and I was actually studying female physiology at the time from the education portal and Muslim mentors and what Ash spoke about was so relatable just to the, the general population client that um, I know on today I asked loads of questions and probably um, drove you mad but I was just so keen to interest and learn um, from Ash and since then you know Ash has been a, a definitely a go-to person for myself um, and helped me out so much with my own clients and and kind of really helped me upskill um, myself and my own education around female physiology and that's why I wanted to bring Ash on today and um, because I know firsthand that the information she gives out can provide fantastic results just due to the fact of you know I've had clients getting really really good results based off the information that, that Ash has given so thank you very much for that Ash. thank you for being like a role model to myself it's very grateful. No, and just to say as well like, like the amount of people I have said a personal trainer has asked me to come in like especially with the gym the first time I mm. was like so 
blown away and just so encouraged because usually like personal trainers and nutritional therapists especially what I would do don't really see eye to eye sometimes like yeah. the you know and you probably know now from working with me a little bit like what kind of a program that I would look yeah. at so it's absolutely amazing that you, number one you care so much about kind of giving the best um advice to your clients and number two, it's like female hormones like a lad being so into female hormones is just amazing because it's so important and I feel like we're so not talked about like even yeah. research into female hormones is I, useless compared to you know? Yeah, it is. And, and I suppose it's only when you actually take the approach that, that you have given and, you know, when you actually look a little bit deeper into it from a, I suppose, from a, from a physique perspective, I've noticed huge changes in my clients and um, results when we actually dive a little bit deeper into these issues and, and have a much greater understanding of the issues as well. And, you know, what we'll cover later on around like nutritional adaptations yeah. and stuff when we implement those in around the time of the period and, and the menstrual cycle, the changes that you can get from a positive response is quite is quite brilliant. So Maybe. I suppose yeah. we'll just jump right in. Do you want to give it an introduction into the ovarian hormones and what they do and, and their function in the body? Yeah, I think the, the big picture everyone always misses. So there's always a lot of focus around your period, okay? And even girls, I didn't get my period this month, my period was late. And I would say to people, the period is like the full stop at the end of the sentence. And what the sentence is, is basically ovulation. And what ovulation is, is making your own hormones. So there's about five or six main hormones that we would look at. So first of all, it'd be a hormone called estrogen. And estrogen will kick in kind of the first start of your cycle. So for any females who aren't on the pill, now I have to just put this out here straight away for anyone listening, the pill completely switches off ovulation. So you don't make any hormones at all when you're on the pill. So this obviously doesn't um, doesn't go, doesn't link up with those women on uh, contraceptives. Now, a lot of women don't know that. They think because they're getting a monthly bleed that it is a normal period, but it's actually just withdrawal bleed from stopping the pill. So that's really important because believe it or not, when you go in to get the pill from a GP, you're not told this, okay? So anyway, when you're not on the pill, the first kind of two weeks of your cycle is your estrogen phase. And your estrogen is your real, kind of like I would say, like your get up and go hormone. Your motivation is better. Your sex drive is better. Your strength is going to be better in the gym. Um, your energy is going to be better. Like estrogen is that real kind of like your vitality for life, your zest for life. Once you don't, um, or once estrogen then peaks enough, you will ovulate. And based that once the egg gets released. Now we have two other hormones in the background at play. And one is called um, follicle stimulating hormone, which helps kind of make your eggs grow. And then we have another hormone called luteinizing hormone, which triggers ovulation. So all of these hormones have to be kind of working efficiently to make you ovulate. So that's three things straight away. Once you ovulate and you don't get pregnant, um, your body makes progesterone. And progesterone is uh, more like a calming hormone. So like you'll find that you're kind of more, like you don't mind saying in your own. I always use that example to my, to my clients and all the girls are like, oh my God, yeah, I know what you mean by that. Like you're kind of more inward, you're more relaxed, you're more calm. I always say like you're really good at multitasking. It's your real kind of like get shit done kind of thing where like you'd be really in the zone, like, you know, just, just really focused when you have enough progesterone. Yeah. And this is probably one of the big things where we're going to come back to um, a lot today is any kind of hormonal issues, like especially coming up to your period, whether it's things like anxiety or low mood or like acne, um, what else could be in headaches, what else can be there? Um, sore boobs, cramps, heavy periods. It's it's usually got to do with lack of progesterone. So it's always when that's low that you experience all these symptoms, even things like water retention, bloating, and constipation come into that as well. Um, two of the hormones that are important as well for kind of female health is our androgens. So they're like are kind of like our male hormones, like testosterone. There's another one called sex hormone binding globulin. And then the last one is actually prolactin. So prolactin is kind of more so linked with breastfeeding. 
that's what helps stimulate breast milk. But if there's any women listening to this and like they're having irregular cycles or loss of period, it would be important to get all of these hormones checked um, to see if there's something not right, especially prolactin being high sometimes can stop ovulation. So that's just important just to kind of note as well. So does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> the shorter version of female hormones. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just think just giving everyone a bit of a, a better understanding of you know, the, the, the phasing of where estrogen and progesterone comes in and, and their role inside the body is going to be um, very important for today because everything that we do speak about today, like you said, it's going to be directly correlated back to those two. Um, so do you want to just give a, a very brief breakdown of um, your kind of 28-day cycle or what happens inside of that 28 days? Yeah. So the first thing I say to clients is like a 28 day cycle is like an ideal world. Okay. So that's the kind of the goal. And the reason it's the goal is that you essentially have two weeks of estrogen and two weeks of progesterone. Right. But basically the f- day one is always the first day of your period. And just to say as well to any other kind of women listening, if you're going to get in kind of spotting, so kind of like light bleed um, at the start, that's still included in the last day of your other cycle. It's the first day of your proper bleed. That's day one. Normally, a period should last between, I mean, it's normal, say, three to seven days, depending on the person. Um, then after about seven days, you go into the second phase. And the second phase then is when your estrogen is kicking in a bit more. It's called the follicular phase. And um, you have that for about a week. Then we ovulate. And then you go into a thing called your luteal phase. Your luteal phase will always be two weeks long or on average two weeks, okay? So if you have someone coming into you and they have a 50-day cycle, it means that their first phase, the follicular phase, is actually longer. That's the long phase and they'll ovulate they, they down on day around 35 and then they'll get their period two days later. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the problem with this as well is if you have a longer estrogen phase it's too much estrogen in the system as well that can often cause hormonal issues especially things like heavy periods and painful periods as well so that's the balance that is really important that's actually what I would work a lot with is getting cycles shorter for women so you can you don't have essentially like three or four weeks of really really bad kind of hormonal issues and then um just the second two weeks of the, the luteal phase um, could you potentially just, just dive a little bit deep, deeper into how you would help the cycle become a little bit shorter you know like you said that you help the clients have that kind of ideal 28 day cycle is there anything you would do in particular to try and help improve that so in the background as well another hormone that's often to play here is testosterone and if you've anyone listening here who has polycystic ovarian syndrome which is pcos for short it's usually excess androgens or excess testosterone that can also put out push out ovulation so again if you have a longer kind of um, follicular phase, it, what's happening is you're not ovulating. So you have to figure out, okay, why you're not ovulating, get through that first. Um, number one thing I always look at, anyone who comes to me for hormonal issues is actually digestion. So you can literally be taking like the best supplements, you know, following the best diet. Um, but if you can't break down your hormones properly, that's when you have an issue. And essentially your hormones are broken down to your liver pathways and then you poop them out, okay? So people who suffer from a constipation often have longer cycles as well. So that's the first thing that I would look at. Um, then it's supporting things like estrogen in the system, making sure that you're not having any extra estrogen coming in um, from your environment or from your diet. So for example, 
things like now we don't have as much finish in Ireland because our meat is quite good here but if you were living in America I'm very wary of hormones in meat like mm. hormones in meat can obviously affect our own hormones there's things called xenoestrogens which come from our environments and I always laugh and saying as women like we're literally like bombarded and they being things like you'd never think of your tan like your fake tans your body butters your shampoos your conditioners your cleaning products like I see some girls and I can smell them walking up the stairs there's so much perfume on and all those things are all coming into our system and they're going to be things called estrogen mimickers that it's like as if they add to our own hormones. So there's a lot of factors to kind of look at um, for longer cycles. And then obviously as well, kind of supporting ovulation, like certain supplements are brilliant for that, like your magnesium and your zinc just to help with kind of um, stress in the system. Like people don't realize as well that the reason you ovulate is to get pregnant, okay? So if your body thinks you're under stress, if your body thinks, okay, listen, like Ashton can look after herself today. There's no way I'm going to let her get pregnant. Yeah. Um, your body will let you ovulate. And that's kind of more you'll probably see with more like athletes when they lose their period due to high stress. So there's a lot of factors to kind of look at. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you've, you've definitely rolled, rolled on to the next point there was that amnorrhea and the stress-induced mm-hmm. induced amnorrhea. And something that myself personally, I haven't felt with a client initially myself, but I have seen clients who have came to me who've worked with other coaches who have had these symptoms where it's been a complete stop in their period and you know from from my own perspective I just think it's so so important like you said just to underline the importance of stress and why stress is important because when it comes to amnorrhea and um, being in a deficit for such a long time can can massively cause an upset to to, to the period in the menstrual cycle do you want to just dive a little bit deeper into kind of that stress-induced amnorrhea and how your approach would be to kind of help regulate the, the period in the cycle again from that stress-induced amnorrhea yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the main things to know, because I know I've even seen my clients, some people are delighted not to have a period because they don't like they don't have to worry about, you know, getting a period on holidays and this kind of thing. But I would say to people that like your period is like your monthly report card. It's your body's way of telling you what needs to change, how good you were that month, if anything, you know, stressful going on in your system. And if you're losing a period, like it's literally the most basic, like evolution thing that our body can possibly do is ovulate every single month. The big thing that I'm always worried about for clients who have like long-term um, amenorrhea is is bone loss or bone health. So like estrogen production is so important for bone health. So if you find like, especially with athletes, like, and you see it all the time, they'll develop osteopenia or osteoporosis then even in later life. So it's really important. So basically what you're saying there is it's called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And it's like as if the signal isn't being sent from the brain to the ovaries to start making estrogen, okay? So there's no signal there because your body's under too much stress and stress is the key word here, okay? So stress can be in the form of anything like over-exercising can be stressful on the system and um, under-eating as well. And specifically, it's kind of more under-eating carbohydrates because, well, I suppose if you're under-eating in general, you're not going to be able to ovulate anyway, but carbs in particular are very, very important for providing fuel for ovulation so eat your carbs <laughs> I always say that to clients I'm like if you write mine to eat carbs they wouldn't be that important you know that kind of way yeah um, and then it can be also emotional stress as well so if you have something really really stressful going on in your life that can also stop um ovulation so the big 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 thing here is number one eat your food like I was trying to increase calories for clients reduce exercise and I'm sure you find as well, like imagine you had a client who loves exercise and very much part of their, their lifestyle and you said, look, you actually need to reduce exercise. Mm. That in itself might be very stressful for someone, especially if they kind of like have body issues as well, where they're kind of relying on exercise to stay lean. So it's actually, hypothalamic memory is really difficult because usually there's a lot of um, mental stress to go alongside that, okay? 
Uh, there's some amazing supplements. Have you, have you, I suppose you haven't really seen many people with it before, but it's again, all got to do with stress on the system. So magnesium is unbelievable for it. Zinc will be amazing as well. Um, herbal medicine comes into this as well. So obviously like my main thing is nutritional therapy, but again, I was brought up with herbal medicine and I'm always just so grateful that I have herbs there. Like we stock nearly 300 different herbal tonics in our clinic. And the way it works is we make up personalized tonics for exactly what people need. So say for someone coming to me with um, loss of periods, we might put something in it and all the kind of stress herbs. Then she also could have constipation and she could have backache and she could have sinuses. And we put 30, 40 different herbs in one bottle. Anyway, sorry, I'm always going off track. (laughs) But in particular, a really good herb called ashwagandha. You probably heard that before. Yeah, I I use ashwagandha a lot with with clients, even clients that don't have um, Andrea just in general for for a, a... helps kind of make that autonomic nervous switch from the very high stress environment sympathetically dominant over yeah. to the parasympathetic. It's a fantastic supplement, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So ashwagandha is unbelievable. It's, it's actually called an adaptogen herb. So adaptogens work by kind of keeping you, making you feel calm and you need to feel calm and giving you energy you need to feel energy. So it kind of adapts to what your environment. There's another herb, another herb called chaseberry or agnus castus or vitex. It's a few different names depending on, on where you're coming from. And it's an amazing herb. So again, I'm just like, how are these herbs put here on this earth? And they work so well for us. Like obviously we're meant to use them. So chaseberry works by protecting your hypothalamus from stress and your pituitary gland from stress. It's like, if I'm always like, imagine me putting a big blanket around it and you're like, okay, you're not stressed, you're fine. You can start making your estrogen again. And when your body, when the stress response comes back down again, your body will start sending signals again saying, okay, stress is gone. Let's start making babies. That's basically what your body is thinking. And it takes time. I think for anyone listening, like I always say to my clients, oh, give me six months. Um, and you need to do everything like you really need to work at it. It's not going to be, you know, a three week plan, that kind of thing. You have to kind of just be patient with it. And mm-hmm. um, anyone else who's listening who kind of would suffer with this as well, it's really important that you're taking a calcium supplement if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. Okay. PCOS is a little bit different, but definitely, if it's definitely hypothalamic amenorrhea, and just to say as well for any um, like PTs, initial nutritional therapists listening, the way you know it's hypothalamic amenorrhea is on a blood test, their luteinizing hormone and their follicle stimulating hormone will be very low. Okay, so it's like as if there's no signal at all being sent. So that's a really, really good marker. Hypothalamic amenorrhea sometimes gets confused as polycystic ovaries or PCOS. And the difference on a blood test is the luteinizing hormone will be very, very high in PCOS. And that's actually because your body's actually trying really, really hard to ovulate, but it's a too much testosterone there that's stopping it. If that makes sense? Because it's really, really important because it's always misdiagnosed. Yeah. I think just from a from a, a kind of a behavioral perspective, the importance of also stress management techniques. And this is something that I introduced with my clients initially from, from the initial consultation is the importance of stress management, because I know for myself from, from working with yourself, why stress is important. And, you know, from a perspective of sleep as well, you know, something that you've spoken to me quite a lot about is, you know, are your clients sleeping effectively and efficiently? And, and for anyone listening, you know, if you, if you are suffering with these symptoms, of course, going to see somebody is the right move to make. But initially right now, what you can do during this time is have a huge emphasis on how you can manage your stress. And, you know, what you spoke about, 
Uh, stress is, is, is a voluntary and an involuntary response. You know, a voluntary response, meaning, you know, you can walk into a gym tomorrow and pick up 100 kilo off the floor. That's you causing the stress response in the body. But an involuntary stress response could be, you know, you get a phone call from your boss at work, you have to come in for an emergency meeting tomorrow. And it's just about learning how to how to control the two of those at all times. Because like what you spoke about, if you are, you know, in, in, in an aggressive dieting phase or carbohydrates are low and calories are low, from the initial starting point, if you had effective stress management techniques in place, this would definitely help long term, right? I think one of the the main issues with people is when they start off these journeys, they don't take that into consideration that potentially you could lose your period due to the amount of stress you're causing on your body. And I think from the starting point, if you had a very good understanding of stress management and using tools like HRV testing to see exactly on a day-to-day basis the level of stress that's in your body. Are you sympathetically dominant? Are you parasympathetically dominant? And just having a having a very clear and very clear and precise road to to managing stress is so important for for hormone function and production. And especially for from a female perspective, your menstrual cycle just relies so much on that level of stress. And like you said, uh, that amenorrhea can be caused by too much stress in the body then in return completely shutting down and shutting down the menstrual cycle yeah and I think what I say to my clients as well like I think our generation we're so used to being busy like I see people are stressed and they say no no no, I'm not stressed and I say you're busy and they're like oh god yeah I'm so busy and it's exactly your cortisol has been released your body doesn't know whether you're running from an animal in the jungle or you're just flying home after work to get changed and meet your friends in the pub it's the same stress stress, so I'm like, you're never going to be able to manage it. Like people can be stressed and happy or busy and happy. It's exactly what you're saying there. I'm like, control the things you can control, your sleep, your food, your exercise. And then we're so lucky we have supplements there to also help us. Like I would consider myself a very high, very busy person, but I'm so conscious of like, I'll look at my week and make sure my meals are prepped and I have my supplements, I take my herbs and I'm very aware of supporting my system with stress, you know? Yeah. I suppose from 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 a coaching perspective, because I do know there's a lot of coaches listening, what do you think would be the the right moves to make moving forward from any coach who hasn't already been focusing on their clients and um, cycles? What's kind of the first things you'd look at in regards to say consultation forms, check-in forms? What are the kind of key areas you'd look for? Red flags you would look for as well in regards to tracking and um, tracking the menstrual cycle. I think the first thing is asking me how, how regular is your period. So the, the big issue I always see with kind of the lap over between personal trainers and nutritional therapists or more personal trainers and clients coming to me is girls who have PCOS. So girls who are very kind of more overweight, they really find it hard to lose weight, too much androgens in their system. So one of the worst things you can have here when you have PCOS is too much cow's milk dairy products. So that can increase your insulin levels, that can increase your testosterone levels. So I've crossed come to me and their, their PTs have them on, you know, 160 grams of protein per day and they're eating crap quality meat, first of all, because they're going to buy like these massive chicken breasts and God's nowhere, God's nowhere. <laughs> What's I'm saying? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I and they're having like whey protein twice a day and they're eating loads of Greek yogurt. And in theory, on paper, like PTs have done that with 500 clients and it's worked and it's great. But for people like this, that is not the right thing to do. So the first thing I would do is ask about their cycle length, if they have a regular cycle, if they don't. If they don't, you need to ask a few more questions. So hypothalamic amenorrhea, you know, you can ask them about stress in their system. PCOS, they'll have other symptoms. Usually like acne is one of them. Excess facial hair is another one that's kind of more obvious. Um, and sometimes the clients will even know if they have PCOS. So they're two big things that you can look at straight away is kind of more your, your cycle, see if there is hormonal issues there. And then digestion. I think anyone 
coming into like personal trainer, you need to aspect digestion just for your whole system to be working effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that that correlates to to back to stress again. You know, stress that that brain to gut signal is so strong. And if if stress is highly elevated and you're in that sympathetic dominance, one of the first things to be upset is that gastrointestinal mobility and gastrointestinal function. And like you said, if you can't digest the hormone, break down the hormone effectively into secretion it's going to correlate directly to, to stress. And I think from, from a coaching perspective, one of the biggest turning points for myself was implementing that, that tracking approach. And, you know, just asking the questions that, that you just said, you know, and just trying to understand a bit of a, a deeper level as well. But I also think that from, from a coach's perspective, you also need someone to go to, like I would use yourself, for example, if I had issues with clients, I'd correlate directly with yourself. And I do think yeah. having somebody there is extremely important because, obviously from a personal trainer you can upskill on this but we'll never have the the knowledge base so i think it's better off to just yeah. help kind it's of, clinical practice <clears throat> yeah, yeah exactly yeah practice. and this is it like i learned this all in a book and then it was only when i started dealing with clients like i've seen hundreds and hundreds of women now with hormonal issues and you, you see the same things over again you know what works and what doesn't work so you know you can, and i've learned a lot from my mom as well because she she does this 30 years before I, I even started or 20 years before i even started so learn from someone who can teach you you know that way as well like it's it's experience really it's not really learning from a book obviously it's great to pick one up and, and listen to podcasts for example but yeah go to someone who can who can help you um do case by case people because then what will happen is the next time you see it again you go oh yeah I remember Ashley came in last time and she did that and it just helps you kind of actually understand it rather than just saying okay I know B vitamins are for this instead of understand the reason behind it yeah absolutely I think potentially a nice little spin off now to run into the, the next um, what I want to speak about was um, contraceptives so do you want to just give like a, yeah. a breakdown of the general contraceptives that are out there and the kind of the role that they play I know we already spoke about the, the general pill but everything that's kind of yeah. out there at the moment just from a coaching perspective so that we can understand a little bit more about what we should be looking for in regards to these contraceptives um yeah first of all there's loads of different types so the the combined pill means there's a balance of estrogen and progesterone in it um sometimes you'll find things so the big thing about estrogen is it can it can cause a lot of water retention so you find sometimes with that pill people can have more water weight on them at the same time though there's things like the mini pill and the implant in your arm, these are all progesterone only. And you'll find with progesterone only medication or contraceptives, sometimes mood can be really effective. So like, or affected, I'm saying to people, don't go near the mini pill if you already suffered anxiety. Um, that this, it's called the progesterone only pill, but it's nothing like our hormone progesterone. Like it's literally like chalk and cheese. It's completely different. It's not calming. It doesn't make you feel good. Like the only thing it kind of does is it pains your lining so you don't get any bleed at all. That's the only difference. But even with the progesterone only medication, it's what I keep calling it medication. And um, I suppose it is kind of medication, but it also can cause water retention. So water retention is probably one of the main things I would see. Um, what are the ones then? He keeps like things like the marina coil. Again, that's like a progesterone only. The other one as well that's kind of more unusual in Ireland is the copper coil. And the yeah. copper coil is non-hormonal. Now that's probably, I think, the best of a bad bunch. There's, there's obviously things like, you know, I think there's side effects to everything or downsides to all of them. But the copper coil, it's, a little litchy and coppered rod in your cervix and it prevents you from getting pregnant because your body's like why is there copper in my cervix so it's not gonna let you and um, not like gonna let implantation take place but you still ovulate you still have a monthly cycle so I think that's like because it's so important for my clients and I think it's so important for women to ovulate I think that's the best one to go for 
Um, with the copper coil, um, do you want to just speak a little bit about additional supplementation you would take along with the copper coil? Because I know this is something that you covered in the talk you'd done in the gym and it was very interesting. Yeah, so it's really, really tricky. So first of all, the one side effect of copper coil is it can make periods heavier, okay? So that's something to watch as well. Um, zinc and copper will compete for absorption. So you always need to take zinc if you're on the copper coil. In saying that though, zinc and iron can compete for absorption. So I say, especially someone who's like vegetarian or vegan, that the copper coil might not be the best option for them if they're having very heavy periods and they're losing a lot of iron and they're supplementing with zinc to help with the copper, but the zinc is reducing their iron. Like it's, it's really, really tricky. Again, like there's <laughs> so many things to think about, like, but yeah, if you're just generally on the copper coil and you know you're eating meat, zinc is absolutely essential to be taking. Like I feel like you should be given the prescription for the copper coil and then zinc as well. It's so important. Yeah. Um, and as well, just to say as well, like gut health is massively, massively affected by contraceptives. Sometimes on my consultation sheet, women won't fill in they're on the pill. It's like, oh, it's just the pill. I have talk about medications and they don't, they're like, oh, I'm just on the pill. And I'm like, the pill is a steroid drug. That's what it is. Like, and it's just because it's called Yasmin. So it sounds like when your friends from across the road that it's like more casual, yeah. but it is a drug in your system and any kind of medication deplete gut health. So it's really important just to be aware of that. If someone's on the pill, maybe they should be on a probiotic as well or gut support from a PT's point of view. Yeah, and that's that's something that I massively took away from 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 our previous discussions was the nearly negative effects of of the pill and like what you said to me the first time we ever met. It'd be like taking testosterone completely away from a male, you know, completely shutting down that that hormone function is not going to leave you in any way, shape, or form. And um, would you potentially want to speak about coming off the pill? Like, what what could you expect to happen if a client was to come away from the pill? Is there an immediate effect of of regeneration the period straight away do hormones come back automatically is there anything we should, could be doing like step by step to help them regain a healthy cycle again once coming off the pill potentially for a long period of time um i always say to clients i think i get this message i'd say 50 times a day on instagram um but i say to girls like expect your periods to be like what they were before you went on the pill now if you went on the pill because you got in your relationship you want to use it a contraceptive i'm like yeah grand that's perfect chances are um, you'll come off as your periods will come back straight away. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. It's the people though that were put on the pill, people can't see me doing inverted commas here, put on the pill to regulate their cycle. Like that drives me loopy. Or girls who have PCOS, so again, irregular cycles and they're got put on the pill to regulate their cycles. And a lot of them don't realize, like they're like, oh, I had a regular cycles and I was put on the pill for the last 10 years and it's been fine. I'm like, no, you had a regular cycles, you've just switched off your hormones for 10 years and now you need to come off it and address it. So there's two different ways to look at it. If it's just someone who's been on it for 10 years, you went into 16 like that as a contraceptive, and now you want to come off it to try to have a baby, chances are you'd be absolutely fine because you haven't, you didn't have any issues before. Yeah. The pill does deplete things like B vitamins, your zinc and your gut health. So I always try to get my clients to start kind of taking those alongside the pill just to support your system coming off it and then for people who even like acne is a big one as well which literally breaks my heart that I have clients like yeah I had acne when I was 16 but then it went away but they've been on the pill for 10 years to actually manage it and especially things like Yasmin or Dianette they're both very high androgen blockers so they're amazing for skin but the way I describe it is it's like if you're on top of a volcano and when you come off the pill, that is going to erupt, okay? Yeah. So a lot of people are in their 30s and all of a sudden they have teenage acne again. So for those clients, I would do a plan with them maybe like eight weeks before just to support their system. And it's very much a lifestyle change. It's not like a quick, you know, 12-week plan. You go back to the way you're eating. It's all very much supporting your hormones long-term. So to be honest, it's, there's no really one size off or one, yeah, one size off its approach. It, it kind of just depends on what your periods were like before. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. you definitely hit the, hit the nail on the head there with saying supporting the V vitamins and, and implementing, you know, support to digestive health and gut health. Because like you said, when those are depleted on the pill, and if you would imagine uh, some females are on the pill for, like you said, 10 to 15 years. And if you're having that constant depletion of those B vitamins and constant depletion of gut health, you need to be doing something to try and facilitate that alongside so that when you do come off Hopefully, um, any damage would have been massively recommended by the approach that you used from just trying to keep everything topped up while on that contraceptive. I think that's and very Just important. to say that, like I, yeah, like I have some clients and I actually get genuinely excited when they're like, I think I might come off the pill. They're on it 12 years, okay, since they were 16. And they're coming to me and they have anxiety and they have IBS and they have low libido as well. That's one thing that's never talked about, low sex drive. Yeah. When you're on the pill, the pill completely switches off your sex drive for a lot of women, right? And I'm always like, it's so ironic because if you're taking this contraceptive, it doesn't matter because you're not having sex anyway. <laughs> you know, anyway. But, um, so I have girls coming to me and they're 28, 29, and they're like, oh, I have low libido. And I'm like, how do you know? Because you have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got put on the pill when you probably first started having sex and you have no idea what your own sex hormones are like because you had them switched off for 10 years. So I'm always so excited to like get people off and get the hormones working. And a lot of girls come back to me and say like, they feel like a fog has been lifted, like they're 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 seeing clear they're thinking clear because your hormones are working properly so if anyone is listening thinking about come off the pill come off it you can always go back onto it again if you want to but it's just you need to find your own system see how your body works like your hormones are your your personality basically mm-hmm. as well and it's about anxiety because I know that's so important for a lot of people like mood is massively affected if you never make progesterone which is that very calming hormone your body never gets a break basically it's like you're always a little bit more on edge yeah. So, yeah, that might give you the push you need <laughs> to come yeah. out of the field. I, I've even noticed myself since tracking um, these things with my clients, whenever I get that message to say, you know, I'm thinking about coming off the contraceptive pill, what do you think? It's like a celebration happens. I'm like, yes, you definitely yeah. should. Because just like what you said, just from a hormone perspective, yeah. if you've never had those hormones circulating properly and effectively, you don't know your own feel. Like you said, you know, you don't know the feeling of effective libido and proper libido function. You don't know the feeling of having that calming feeling of when progesterone is present. So yeah, I think it's a, we don't want to push people off the pill, but it's definitely a right move no, to make for a lot Don't get pregnant and blame us. <laughs> and I think what we might run into next, just to kind of finalize this, because I think it's something that's quite important is nutrition adaptations. I think nutrition yeah. adaptations are extremely important and something that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily understand the reason why it's important or it's, it's a need to have, you know, a lower calorie requirement or higher calorie requirement through different times of the cycle. Do you want to just kind of start this, start this conversation off and we can kind of tackle this one together because it's something that I've had massive success with since having their conversations um, in regards to clients with their nutrition around the menstrual cycle. Which is amazing because I know it all on paper, but this is something I never would implement because I don't work with kind of um, with like exercise physiology and that kind of thing. So the, the, the first two weeks of your cycle, obviously when you get your period, the first two, two or three days you feel a bit tired and it's because all your hormones have dropped. But once estrogen starts to kick in, so estrogen increases your metabolism, it's anti-catabolic, so it helps aid recovery. So it actually like increases your kind of muscle turn- turnover and how much kind of muscle you can build the first few weeks of your, your cycle. Like I can say to clients sometimes you should diet the first two weeks and then just maintain the second two weeks do yeah. it that way. And um, the other thing that happens well is your insulin sensitivities increase. So that means your body's basically able to use carbs better. 
play. Um, and you'll actually find, I'm sure a lot of um, girls listen to this will agree with me as well, that you're not as hungry the first two weeks of your cycle, that like you find that your your blood sugars are more stable, that you don't like crave as much sugar, that your energy levels are better. That's all linking back again with insulin sensitivity, that you're just able to utilize food better. Once you ovulate, so you'll find around ovulation, you do get a little bit more hungry. Um, this can be an increase in testosterone as well. It's just around ovulation. So this is the big thing as well. When we're going back there, talking about libido and sex drive. You really, girls, sex drive only peaks around ovulation because testosterone peaks around ovulation. So again, you're not ovulating, you're not making this hormone. So um, increase in testosterone. Again, if you're going to go for like PBs, your strength is the best around ovulation. Your appetite's best around ovulation in terms of like burning calories. And then it all goes downhill from there, basically. <laughs> so once East or progesterone then starts to kick in, um, your insulin sensitivity starts to go down. So you can't really use carbs as well. So that means you find yourself getting more blood sugar dips. Your energy is not as good. Your body actually uses fats a lot better. So I know this is sounds a bit bizarre, but I always know I'm getting my period because I crave like smoked salmon or like peanut butter. Where like the first half of the month, I don't really want fats. I'm like, oh, I don't need them. Coming to a period, I'm like, oh, you love some smoked salmon. I'm like, I bet you I'm getting my period now in a couple of days or like a week away. So I'm sure a lot of girls kind of relate to that then as well. Um, so for you looking at that, like definitely the, the change in like the carbs and the fats would be really important have you done that already with clients and seen yeah like I, i've been kind of using it using an approach that you know first of all i think understanding their their cycle and this is when i think you know long-term coaching definitely comes into play when, when i've done this for the last couple of months and you understand their cycle quite well you can start to implement these changes immediately and, and have a very good effect you know i always kind of think you know week one we have quite a low calorie requirement um, and there's a, a slight increase in insulin sensitivity. So we're looking from a nutritional perspective, you could essentially lower protein and fat levels in week one and slightly increase carbohydrate content in week one. Then when we roll into week two, um, there's a slightly higher calorie requirement. So essentially we could bring up protein and fats again, but also increase um, carbohydrate content because on week two, I find there's an even higher um, sensitivity to insulin rather than, than week one. So there is a need to have higher higher um, carbohydrate content, but also a higher fat and protein content. And I do think this is potentially, I could be wrong in saying this, but potentially down to, down to ovulation and the shift change of that yeah. hormone balance inside the body, it's going to cause that much higher demand um, for calorie requirement. And then when we run into week three, and um, there's even an even higher uh, calorie requirement. But like you said, there's also that massive shift change. So sensitivity to insulin starts to come down. So I think it's wise on week three to make a slight adjustment to carbohydrate content and bring that level down. But then in return, bring the level of fat up. And I think having that shift change of nearly keeping calories the same and just dropping down carbohydrates and increasing the fat is quite a wise move to make. And then Week four, there's an even higher requirement uh, for calories. So we could potentially increase fat levels even higher and then bring that level of, of carbohydrate down. So you're kind of looking like a, a an increase of, of carbohydrates. And then we have that drop-off effect back down again, but there's a, a consistent increase in calories. And I think when we start to play to the tune of the body and, and really play to the tune of what's going on, even in a deficit, this works fantastically. You know, and sometimes when I, I'm consistently making adaptations to client plans, they're like, why do you never just leave the plans the same? Why is something always changing? But when you actually break things down and, and understand the, that approach of, you know, week one, week two, week three, week four, or whatever way their cycle runs, you are always going to get a fantastic result because you're going with the grain of what they do. And I think just, especially from a adherence point of view, if you had like rock bottomed, calories and carbohydrate intake right the way across your cycle you're going massively against the grain of 
of their hormone hormone and um, kind of production at the moment. And I don't think that's a wise move to make. So from coaches listening in, I think that's a some really good take homes and um, there in regards to that nutrition adaptations is you know go with the grain of their body you know listen back to what me and ash said about that week one week two week three week four and even in a deficit even in a surplus you can still make those adjustments while keeping calories in in the level that they need to be at but just understand the importance of having low calorie requirements and high calorie requirements in that week one week two week three week four is extremely important mm, yeah it's so interesting isn't it yeah, it is. And like you said, when you actually you actually put um, it into practice, it, it pays off. You know, like I said, I've I've had phenomenal um phenomenal results. Like even some of the girls that are going through like photo shoots, like Sarah Jane is doing a photo shoot tomorrow today's Friday tomorrow. And um, we've used this this approach and she's gotten herself into like extremely low levels of, of body composition and has kept a healthy cycle right the way through bar not last week the week before she got her period and it was slightly interrupted and I kind of said to myself okay this is kind of the perfect time now to start pulling you back out again like she's doing a photo shoot tomorrow so on the back end of that there'll be a a huge emphasis on the stress management and sleep but right away through we've kept it right away through and it's been fantastic and it's it's been down to like you said and like what you kind of taught me was the importance of stress management the importance of sleep the importance of having vitamins like zinc and and magnesium in the system and, and how they can help keep hormone production so present to help keep that cycle long term it's fantastic yeah but then even for your client now I feel like as well like for a photo shoot something like that one missed period because she's yeah. has this goal yeah. and as long as she recognizes okay this is an ideal and you recognize this is an yeah. ideal and then once it's done okay let's get your hormones back on track do you know the kind of way like yeah. I can feel like stuff like she's, she's basically in an extreme sport which is an achievement in itself so yeah. it's just one of the things that comes along you just yeah. have to then be aware have to support the hormones afterwards you know yeah no absolutely and I think I think that's kind of more or less everything we, we wanted to cover um, and you know I think from anyone listening uh, from a coach's perspective we gave it a lot of information there and a lot of information that can be implemented into a coaching business right away and what I always say to to people and you know especially some of my clients you know we have to look after their health before looking after our body composition and I think from a female perspective this was a, a really good podcast and we definitely covered a lot in that so thank you very much Ash for giving time out of your day to, uh, to come on and speak my goal is to educate as many people as I can so that's it's great asking me to come on thanks yeah. a million and so do you want to just give people a little plug into yourself do you want to let them know your website your Instagram page and you know if they wanted to look into further working with you how would they get in contact or what's the approach that they'd need to use yeah so my Instagram is AOK Nutrition and my website's aoknutrition.com and my email is ashling at aoknutrition.com so not too hard to remember and um, email's probably best I feel like I get a lot of Instagram messages I'm sure you're the same so it's hard to keep up and yeah. um, but definitely send me an email I'll try to get back to them my clinic is in Port Marnock in Dublin but obviously at the moment we're not um, in practice we're not seeing clients so it's all just some by Zoom consultations at the minute so yeah pop me an email and we can have a little chat um, if you want before we can book in All right. Thank you very much, Ash. Cheers. Thank you.